Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, everybody. And welcome to Left Hand Right Brain. Man, I am feeling it today. I, uh, Your boy here just ate a whole box of cereal. Maybe not the wisest choice, okay? But I was feeling I got the I got them sweet the sweet tooth, and you know I got it in my head that I wanted that I wanted cereal. And guess what? Guess what? Your boy picked. All right, you can tell I've been listening to a lot of all fantasy everything because I keep referring to myself as your boy. I think it's better than your man or your amigo, huh? Your amigo? No, no, I don't like I don't like your amigo. I had the Captain Crunch Donuts, Frosted Donuts, it's like a special edition thing, saw it at the King Supers, and I thought, treat yourself, all right? I got the whole milk, all right? Not messing around with that 2% anymore. I was raised on the 2%. I didn't know, all right? There was better out there, all right? Didn't go with the almond milk. Sometimes I go, sometimes I go, sometimes I get a little crazy, all right? I go coconut vanilla, all right? But I wasn't feeling that today. I was like, you know, I'm going to go with the whole milk, all right? If I could have found the Southern Comfort Vanilla Spice Eggnog, I would have gone with that. <laughs> oh, my goodness. That would have been intense. I would have. That's too much. That's uh, too much sugar in your veins. That is a one-way ticket to type 2 diabetes town, y'all. All right? And let's not do that this Christmas. All right? When you're out there enjoying, I guess if you get anything from my intro of this podcast, it's uh, don't eat cereal with eggnog okay which isn't what i did but i did eat the whole box you know i was just popped it open on the way home all right it was just handfuls all right good dry cereal just handfuls while i'm driving back all right got home boom big bowl i got one of those spoons that you know you use i got like a salad tong like a salad tosser type spoon like a big one all right i got that used it ate all the cereal all right and that was my dinner not the best choice. I'm feeling it now. Ugh, maybe I take a lactate pill or something. That's how, you know, I am getting a little older. You know, a new year uh, means I'm getting a year older. You know, your boy's birthday is January 1st, guys. So I'm going to be 29 here soon enough. And I'm going to need lactate pills. All right. You know, I heard as you get older, it may, it's harder for your body to break down lactate. Okay. Anyway, let's get, a, let's get away from my cheat day. Uh, bad dinner choices and uh let's get to this podcast guys you know i really appreciate listens I, if you listen to that that whole rant right there wow you are a true member of the brain trust and i'm just gonna go ahead and say it i love you all right thank you anyone who's listening to this you've earned my undying love and i'll grant you three wishes okay so there you go new genies are in podcasts so 
I'm a genie in this podcast, baby. So just hit me up on Twitter, at LHRB Podcast, and I will grant your three wishes to the best of my ability. Anyway, guys, uh, did I say welcome to Left Hand Right Brain? I'm J.D. Lopez. You know, you know all that jazz. You know, I gotta thank my sponsors there, Mutiny Information Cafe, the pearl of South Broadway, guys. Their mission is to create a place where people can shop for gently used books, finger through tons of records, pick up their favorite comics, and enjoy a well-made coffee in an environment that stimulates the mind. Ooh, is your mind being stimulated there? Because your senses sure are. Because that's what they're doing, guys. They want to stimulate your mind and your senses. Located at 2 South Broadway. They're the best. They have uh, live shows going on almost every night, guys. That's where you can also find Comedy Save the Video Star, which is my monthly music video slash comedy mashup show, guys. This one's going to be on the 23rd, so this next Saturday. Coming up here... We're going to have the comedic talents of Mitch Jones, Georgia Ray, Nathan Lund, and one more to be named, guys. I had a dropout, a last-minute comedy show dropout. But that's how it goes, you know? So we'll see who I can get. And they're going to pick music videos that they want to watch, and we're going to riff over them. Beavis and Butthead style, guys. It's going to be great. I know I'm going to pick a Christmas-themed one. Am I going to go Mariah Carey? You know, All I Want for Christmas is You? Or am I going to do the Bing Crosby, David Bowie? Little drummer boy. I don't know. But you better come and find out, guys. Oh, and that reminds me. Comedy Save the Video Star, as well as this podcast, are also sponsored by Renegade Brewing. Gra- hey, grab me a brew! That's what uh, their catchphrase is. Uh, it's always creative and always packed with flavor, guys. This beer is for those who do the don'ts and don't the do's. What do you call those? Boom. Renegades. If you're a renegade, you drink the beer. Beer. Renegade. Renegade beer. You get it? Come to Comedy Save the Video Star. I'm not saying you can or cannot get it there. I'm just saying if you know what's up, you come. You're going to be refreshed is what I should say. They also have two different tap houses along uh, Santa Fe Drive here in the lovely Denver area. So uh, if you're in town, go check those out. If not, sorry. Uh, You out of luck. Left Hand Right Brain is now a proud member of the Denver Podcast Network. It's your source for the finest local podcasts based in and around Denver, Colorado. Each show on the DPN is designed to delight, inform, and speak to the enthusiast in you, guys. We have a buttload of podcasts on a buttload of subjects, such as culture, history, music, work, comedy, movies, and pizza, guys. Check it all out at denverpodcast.net. That's where you can find all the awesome podcasts like this one. Every week, Denver's own Real Nerds Podcast sees a new movie and we podcast our experience to the world. I think sometimes we're funny. Yeah, sometimes when I'm talking, not when you're talking, not when you're talking. Oh, you know, it might help if you told them that we're on iTunes or we're on Stitcher so they could find a place where you can actually listen to us. Oh, okay, Brad. We're also on Twitter, at Real Nerds, and we have an Instagram account. Boom. Commercial, Brad. Cut. Paste. Upload. We like to have fun. Sure. I like fun. James, you're very bad at improv. RealNerdsPodcast.com. The Denver Podcast Network. In the shadow of the mountains, we speak. All right, guys. Now, with all that house cleaning done, I hope you're on your way to having a great Christmas. I hope you're having a great holiday. You know, whether you celebrate Festivus or Kwanzaa or Hanukkah, which I think Hanukkah is almost over by the time of this recording. But I hope you had a good one. Either way, you know, Mazel Tov, Laheim, and all that jazz, guys. I hope you're ringing in the new year with loved ones. Um, so let's get into this week's podcast, which is with Emily Zeke, returning guest. She's been on a couple times, actually. And, uh, you know, I really enjoy our talks. I know she's a something of a controversial figure in the comedy scene right now. Um, she's catching a lot of heat, getting a lot of attention because she's speaking out 
against sexism and inequality in the scene in Denver, you know, in the nation, in the world, you know, the whole, what is it, think, think local, act global, act local, think global, something like that. But uh, Emily's definitely, you know, acting local. Despite any preconceived, you know, judgment you might have on her, I encourage everybody to listen to this podcast in its entirety. I know it's a little long, but these are not um, easy issues to discuss. So it takes a while for someone to be understood and um, articulate their point of view fully. Uh, so I hope you can bear with us on this one because there's it's packed full of great information, good insight. I think Emily has lots of things to say. She speaks about these things intelligently, and she is putting herself out there. And the least you can do is listen with an open heart, all right? And I definitely think uh, my audience, you know, the the brain members of the Brain Trust, all you guys out there, are uh, open and willing and ready to, to hear what she has to say. So I, I would ask everybody to have a compassion and understanding with this conversation, you know, with Emily, with me. You know, I'm still pretty ignorant uh, when it comes to certain subjects or a lot of things, really. And this podcast, uh, this conversation is uh, just as much of a learning experience for me as it is for you. And uh, Emily's awesome. She has a show, uh, I think, second and fourth uh Sundays of every month called Philosophy at Cap Hill Tavern. You can follow her on all the social media Z's and all that jazz or come see her at a show. Listen to some other podcast she's been on. She was also on a podcast recently called Taco Night. There's an article in the Denver Post that she was mentioned in. Oh, and she does name some names in this podcast. I mean, she's not shy. She's not being shy about any of this stuff. So if your name is one of the things that she brings up, I don't mean to put you on blast or anything like that. It's just we're talking about issues and... You know, um, unfortunately or fortunately, uh, your name is, your hat has been thrown into the ring, okay? With that being said, let's uh, get into this week's LHRB podcast. Hello. How do things start? (laughs) Beginning. The beginning. In the beginning. So you started comedy probably about a year ago, ish, uh, or no, two and a half, years two and ago. a half years ago. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I wasn't trying to. I think we recorded a podcast. Okay. Yeah. Around a year ago, I think. Yeah. And uh, I think it was in the summer. I didn't think so. it was that that far away from uh, when you started, but I guess I'm I'm wrong, and I didn't mean to be. Uh, I don't know. I feel like people get it like, oh, I started this time. I'm uh-huh. three years in, or I'm right. I think at a certain point, anything but like under five to seven years, people really care about the time you're in comedy. Yeah, it is something that people definitely use to evaluate your legitimacy. <laughs> yeah, it was over a year ago. It was July fifth yeah. or something. I was going to say it was during the summer, so I think yeah. it was probably about a year after I'd gotten into the scene and. Right. Now I've been in for like two, two and a half years. I've been in. I've been in. The You've been in cult. it. You've been <laughs> in it. Yeah, yeah. Back then we, were, you know, we were talking about it being like this kind of religion. Yeah, shadow religion is what Absolutely. I think you refer to it as. You know, yeah. we're all uh, preachers of the shadow religion. That's or something. right. Yeah, I've already <laughs> latched onto that when one of our first conversations and uh, yeah. Because you're not wrong. We're up, we're preaching in a way. We're trying yeah. to get people to think the way we are, to look through our our lens, right, and see the world through uh the way we do and hopefully find humor in that right yeah uh for sure so you still think it's that yeah more so than ever (laughs) (laughs) but i think that i've like um 
you know, I don't know. My perspective has like zoomed out, I guess, because I feel like the more that I like dig in on this, it's it's like America is really the cult that we're all a part of. And if you think about the word cult, it lends itself to the word culture. So I think that anything that anybody does when they're a part of a group of people, it has a culture. Yeah, I'm definitely still interested in that, you know, how cultures develop out of cults, like how rules are determined, how laws are made, how people, um, how like discourse is formed. So how people like kind of accept a certain truth or a certain narrative. Mm-hmm. Um, I think all those things are really interesting. And I think that there's probably a lot of philosophy that people have spent time thinking about these things, but a lot of it doesn't get, you know, filtered down or trickled down into like mainstream thinking. Um, you know, like postmodernism and like deconstruction and all these kinds of like philosophical, like clouds of thought, you know, all this stuff like exists out there, but rarely do we like talk about it in just like layman's terms. But I think that Donald Trump is like a really good example of somebody who is like very, um, sophisticated in his methods and techniques at communication even though it seems like he's not a lot of the ways that a lot of the things that he does are very postmodern so I think it's like interesting how he makes use of narrative and makes use of um, some of these techniques of communication that are kind of like primitive in a way because like storytelling is such a primitive thing that, you know, it's like a cult or a culture starts out with stories, Mm -hmm. you know? And so he's like, he's doing that with these, like, with technology, with like Twitter. So he's like at the very, he's doing something very, very primitive with some very, very advanced technologies, which I find kind of fascinating. I mean, they're all tools for storytelling in a way to uh, heighten the culture, not heighten, but uh, spread the word in a way. Right. Exactly. It's like spreading the word. And it just happens to be that his word and his, I mean, I think ultimately it seems like, you know, he's preaching consumerism, capitalism, money, um, individualism. Which is also like the American culture. Yeah. He's definitely like tapped into like the the overarching narrative of he's American America, America's culture. baby. He's yeah. the, he's the the Right. He's the dream. Yes. That guy. Exactly. Well, yeah, he's like the dream, Quote, but unquote, he's the American dream. He's like the American dream, but he's also I feel like the American inheritance. Like mm. he is the legacy of America yeah, as well. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, yeah, he's the trust fund kid who yeah. doesn't appreciate what he had, so he's like right. fucking it up. Yeah, and 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 I I'm fascinated with the concept of inheritance and legacy right now too because I think in a lot of ways it's like our culture is this legacy and this inheritance that we're we're getting from the people of the past. So, you know, it's like okay, we can examine like do we do we want this? I mean, we have it what do we do with it? You know, I saw a play at the Curious Theater a couple months ago and it was all about this, it's called Appropriate, and it was all about this family that inherited this house in the South and they were going through all the belongings in the house and they came across this uh, photo album that had like really um, 
horrible images in it, and I won't explain too much about it. But anyway, it kind of talked about, you know, this family kind of coming to grips with who their father really was, you know, because he had died, and so they were going through all of his possessions. And I think that that's where we are culturally, is that we have this, like, inheritance, and we're, like, kind of zooming back to look at it. The sins of America, our forefathers in a way. Exactly, yeah. It's like the Constitution. (laughs) It's like, okay, we got this document, and it's really, really valuable. You know, it's certainly valuable. And our intentions... Right, it's got good intentions, and not only just good intentions, it's, you know, it's good values, yeah, and it's effective, because our country is very, you know, you look at it, and I mean, there is value here, there is that, so, but I think, like, I think about it, and I'm like, okay, but there's also some problematic aspects of this inheritance, and how do we, how do we address those, and, like, keep the good parts of what we have, and kind of address the failings, and then move forward. So, anyway, back to comedy. <laughs> well, how do we, I mean, I think that's, you know, still in the same vein, at least, you know, there's mm-hmm. a lot of uh, the sins of comedy, you yes, know, just things like that. Exactly. Of, of, uh, the comedy forefathers, that's you know, right. doing that, and we're inheriting mm-hmm. this, and we're trying to figure out how to go forward yeah, with it. exactly. But it seems like some people don't want to, I mean, the, the acknowledging that there's been problems, right. that, how do you move forward yeah. is kind of the thing, and... uh you know, you've been kind of a controversial figure in yeah. the, in this uh, in the whole scene lately, sure. which uh, how do you, how do you deal <laughs> with it? I mean, I can't imagine. I'm so sorry. Yeah. Like with all the sometimes you get you know you catch a lot of heat. You yeah. know, I've um, gotten a lot of heat. Oh man, but uh, wow. You, I mean, I'm just there. You have to be very strong to put up with a lot of the stuff you've gotten, and uh, you know, just people coming at you on all sides you know for sure um, for saying up for what you believe in you know Mm -hmm. and uh, do you want to speak on that just a little bit yeah I mean I think that like it's been really hard I can't (laughs) (laughs) I mean I have I've had to distance myself a little bit because I can't I mean I would not yeah I would not know how to handle the kind of uh the veracity in which people are coming (laughs) sometimes and I'm sorry I don't mean to be like Oh, uh, post-traumatic stress. Trigger warning. <laughs> Let's trigger Emily. No, just kidding. Um, no, it's really difficult. Um, it's kind of one of those things like if you can't handle the heat, get out of the kitchen. So I'm still in the kitchen, I feel like, in some degree. But it is very hot in here. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, but I think I just am trying to keep a context in to the bigger context. Like I, you know, I think to me, like when Trump got elected, it was kind of a turning point. I've always been very... Um, uh, I guess activist is the right word, but just like conscientious of and cr- critical of America, American culture, you know, ever since I was in Why? college. Why? Why? Just it? <laughs> it seems like, like this is yeah. pretty great for all of us. Right. I, mean. <laughs> I mean, I went to like an engineering school where my friends were getting graduating with six figure salaries and working for oil companies. Right. You have like a degree in like a science thing. Yeah. You're not like a liberal arts major. Right. Exactly. No, totally. I'm like a science person. Um, but I always kind of like challenge myself. So I think I've always had more of a, um, philosophical and creative mind, but I always tried to challenge myself by doing things that were, like, okay, I'm going to get this degree in physics because that's not something that I would 
typically do. Okay. And I think it's it's like working my left hand. So like getting a degree in physics, which is what your degree's in, right? Yeah. I mean, you're, um, and you're back in school now, and you yeah. you're totally artsy. You know, right like, now I'm like you're like making into sculptures. M- yeah. And you know, you have pictures. And right. Uh, you're drawing, so like so. That's kind of where you were coming from, right. and to, to stretch yourself yeah. was to go to the the science yes. route. And now you're you're back in school, and you're kind of going right. You're in, you're doing more yeah. of the the art stuff. Well, and this is like where my this is my right or not. Well, this is the right brain's anonymous or right brain left hand left right. Brain. Yeah, there did, was a. Did you forget the, the name <laughs> of my podcast? <laughs> no, there was a um, group at Minds called Anonymous Right Brains. Yeah, they took that from me. But, but. yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. So anyway, the point is, is just that like I'm. Um, this is what I'm more passionate about is getting ideas and thinking and all that kind of stuff. So I'm, I very much like this stuff, but I, when Trump was elected, you know, I was like, it was like, are we going to do it the easy way? Or are we going to do it the hard way? And then it was like, okay, Trump got elected. Apparently we want to do it the hard way. <laughs> like, and I mean, there was all this stuff about, um, and specifically, I guess I mean, just like in terms of sexism, I wasn't like super, I've always been, like I said, pretty critical of American culture. So I was, you know, I always voted third party anyway, but I felt like, okay, we're going to elect a a female president. That's a good thing. But then when that didn't happen and Trump got elected, I was like, okay, something's really broken. Like where all of this like passive kind of acceptance of the status quo is failing us because they kept saying like, oh, you know, it's the vote for the lesser of two evils. And it just like, okay, but now we literally have the evil of all evils. Like what? This isn't working, you know? Yeah, evil of all. Yeah, I know. That was a big, because yeah. you were, you were on the podcast where I was walking around with yeah. the, the, the march, you know, you've been yeah. a very, I mean, a, a very active part of my podcast for a long time. Yeah. Right? And I thank you for that. Um, but yeah, there was, there was anger. There was, I mean, everyone was yeah. just, confused and a lot totally. heightened emotions that oh day God. you know yeah. for a while there was a big like hangover after that uh, was after the election and yeah. with all that jazz uh yeah but um yeah everyone was like oh hillary's the lesser of two evils but then we got the <laughs> then we got the actual evil. yeah, right, yeah right, i was yeah. like oh um, okay that wasn't supposed to be happening like right. we're doing the lesser of two evil thing you're not supposed to get the actual evil so, so that made you was like in everything in my, yeah. my life i'm going to um yeah it was kind of active. like a uh what do you call it like a um flow chart okay. you know if this happens this is what you do if this happens this is what you do and um so i was like okay i need to be more i need to speak about this in as clear terms as i possibly can because i guess i call it like playing along you know um and i guess just in speaking about sexism in particular um and this is interesting about Hillary Clinton, too, because I read an article recently about her where in one of the debates, I think we all remember how Trump's behavior was very kind of predatory and he was looming over like her. behind her. And- yeah. And he was intimidating her and just using like his physical presence in a way that was very intimidating. And she said in this article that I read, it, she said that she knew what was going on the whole time. You know, and she was making a calculation in her mind. Was she going to address it or was she just going to kind of plow through and, you know, not try and draw attention to it? And she chose 
the latter. She She's like, okay, I'm just going to go through and I'm not going to address it. What she thought was the lesser of two evils. Right. She picked the, yeah. <laughs> and then she got the evil, I guess. Um, so, and I read this article and it talked a lot about how she, um, you know, like that's how women live a lot is that we know that there's this thing, you know, there's this thing that kind of is a shadow lurking in every aspect of our lives. And which is, which is, I think, I don't want to say men, but it's more of an attitude. You know, even Gandhi, like we were talking about this somewhere else, like even Gandhi, like he had some pretty bad attitudes about women and their role in society, you know? So it's just, it's an attitude, I think, a patriarchal attitude or... Okay. And I think it's paired with an actual physical strength that men are sometimes not acknowledging in themselves. So it's kind of like you already have this attitude that, you know, women, that you're superior and then you kind of, you're just, you're just not thinking about the fact that, yeah, women are vulnerable in their in certain ways and by no means do I mean that women are weaker than men but there are ways in which people are vulnerable and that can translate and men can take advantage of that you know and it's just a physical response like an animal response like if you see uh, an animal that is angry or you see an animal that is big or any of those things your body just responds in a certain way Mm -hmm. and so I think that and so if you're if you're confronted with this, you know, threat of some kind. You want to call that the shadow still? The shadow thing. Yeah, okay, like yeah, the yeah. Donald Trump who's kind of like, whether Donald Trump is intentionally trying to physically intimidate Hillary Clinton or whether that's just something he's done and nobody's challenged him or like whatever's causing that. But when you're confronted with that that thing, that is that kind of intimidating thing it's like well you have two choices you can either kind of back down and and you know comply with that force so as not to disturb it or you can challenge it and you can be like hey what are you doing like back off well when you say that and you say back off and you challenge it you risk antagonizing it and if you're already afraid of it and then you antagonize it that's, that's like, you know, that can have really negative consequences for you, which is why women typically don't do that, which is why a lot of these things go unprosecuted, so to speak, or un, un, um, called out or un, there's not that accountability because women, they don't want to put, stick their hand in a bee's nest. They don't sure. want to antagonize something that they're already feeling fear about, you know? So I think that whether it was conscious or unconscious, I think like after Trump got elected, to me, it was like, well, that method is just not working. This playing along thing is just not working. Like, you know, and I think when we when we first started talking about it, we, (laughs) me and the rest of Denver Comedy, um, when these topics started coming up, and it's not just me, everybody's, you know, we're all talking about it together and I'm not talking about it and there's people all over the country talking about it. So 
the conversation is the dialogue is starting and a lot of it was like about unconscious sexism and the ways that it's unconscious and I think that because I think a lot of people were like what are you talking about why are you talking about this you know and I do feel like a lot of guys it is latent it is unconscious it is um implicit can we uh what were some of the issues you're bringing up just yeah so booking well yeah I mean I think the booking was something that to me seemed pretty like um obvious but then it's like I would talk about it and it was like you know this is not obvious like it it wasn't obvious so that was weird a little bit to me but but I would say that like and more specifically it's like you know I would go to places like for instance comedy works so I was on it took me a while to even sign up to call at comedy works because I I already felt intimidated just by that space in and of itself. It I is went there a couple of times. And yeah, so it's already intimidating just through, you know, comedy and then Yeah, you know, I think all comics feel intimidated. All comics, for sure. yes, exactly. And I agree with that. And then I think that there's, you know, for certain people there's just an added, you know, level of intimidation that's like, okay, I even feel more outsider here because whether it's your gender or your sexuality or race or something like that. It's style of comedy, style however of comedy. you wanted to like express exactly, yourself. Yeah. Like. So then there's that, you know, added thing. So I felt intimidated, but then when I went there the first time, uh, I was, you know, I couldn't help, but notice like there was like 15 men on the lineup and one or two women. And that was something consistent that I had seen many times there. And I still see that, you know, that was the case last week. There were 17 performers and one woman, on the whole show, you know, so, um, that to me is definitely a huge problem that should not be happening. And that's something that I saw. And I talked about it that night. That was when I, you know, probably, uh, about a year ago. And, um, you know, Deacon, the new talent coordinator was there and he said, well, you know, I'd love there to be women on the stage, but where are they? you know, implying like, you know, as if we didn't exist or something, you know, and that, that kind of mentality, where are they? Where are the women was troubling to me because I knew that, you know, it's like, well, here I, I'm here, I'm right here, you know, like we're here. So when I first started, it was like, okay, well, there just aren't enough women. Their, their women aren't signing up for the team, you know? And that made me feel like, oh, okay, you need women on the team. Like, I'm so happy to be here. Like, I'd love to do this. Like, the, boy, geez, like, you, you're lacking women? Like, that's strange because this seems like a, a really great thing to do. And it f- clicks with me, and I'm super passionate about this. I love talking. I love hearing myself talk. Like, there's nothing, like, like sign me comics, up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so and so then, th- then I would go to these mics and – and it, and it really became apparent to me that, you know, it wasn't like, oh, we're, you know, where are the women? Like, we're missing these women. It was like, I was being treated like, you know, and I don't think that scum is the right word because I realize that all comics are treated like scum. So it's right, not, yeah. it's not. times I felt really shitty after mics. Yeah, and, right, exactly. So I think that, and I do want to, to some degree validate 
the struggle, although I think it can be also kind of abusive unnecessarily. So yeah, they're but, trying to keep you out. I mean, it's like this whole prove right, yourself mentality. Exactly. So there's that thing that everybody is subjected to, but then when paired with this, this, uh, philosophy or this mentality, where are the women, then it's like, well, you can't have it both ways. You can't be like, you know, like pushing us all like, in this this way and trying to weed us out while simultaneously saying like blaming us for not being there you know what I mean it's not if you're weeding us out (laughs) and you're being abusive and you're doing these things that's where the women are you know they've been physically assaulted they've been harassed They've been discriminated against. A lot of those things. Yeah. Yeah, That's not great. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense why they, you know, you wouldn't come around. Yes. Like, right. It's harder to get started, you know, to feel welcome. Right. Yeah. Because, I mean, there is the shadow thing. Yes. It's like this predatory thing. A bunch of dudes. Um, When I was training in martial arts, that was another big thing. Of like, you know, there's not a lot of women training, which is unfortunate. I mean, I'd hear the instructors be like, oh, it's just unfortunate because like women could, you know, use this information yes, the most. But exactly. I mean, it's like a, a very vulnerable thing. Yeah. To- right. Totally. And even at that time when I was getting started, so yeah, these conflicting thoughts and like you're ex- exactly like you're saying, it's like, you know, women, we need women to be in positions of power and speaking and explaining their perspective because that's how we get laws that respect women is when people hear the struggle of women and hear women in positions of authority and hear them and what they're saying, they can listen to that and then they can say, oh, we need XYZ laws so that we can protect women. If there's no women who get to like talk about their struggle and talk about their existence and talk about it, then it's, there's no, then that's why we don't have laws in place that protect women. So just you know? understanding and, uh, compassion right right totally and um so you know and one of those things too at the beginning like I would see like uh you know and this didn't hit me until more recently but it's like putting women up at the end of these mics it's like okay if you're a guy um who's going up at the end of the mics like and you're be like 150 yeah. Five in the morning when they're turning yeah, on the lights exactly, at the square or right. whatever. Like. Totally. If you're a guy and you're in that room, then it's a totally different situation than if you're one of one or two women in that room with a bunch of drunk guys. Because that's just unsafe. You sure. know, women, that's not unsafe because you feel like, oh, what are they going to think about my jokes? That's literally unsafe because you could, you know, something could happen to you. Right, right, right. And um, so there, there, there should be no blaming. There should be no, no one anywhere blaming a woman for not wanting to put herself in that position of, you know, putting herself physically or at risk. Yeah. And I hear that. I mean, um, <laughs> I mean, I can hear other comics, you know, arguing, you know, well, they got to want it enough, you know, to, to, to stay that long. And I'm right. not trying to start an argument. I'm just saying, yeah. you know, like, I can totally, I hear what you're saying. Yeah. And I, and I know what the counter argument or whatever someone, another right. comic who's running a mic would be like, I've made all the other dudes that have come through here have had to wait till the end to go up or whatever. Right. And, and like, I mean, I think that's it's fair. And you know, that fairness say. is something that, and, you know, here, this is where I, I'll speak my mind with my passion here. And it's like, 
I understand that. And that's what Deacon would say, too. It's fair. He treats everybody fair. He, everybody goes on. He, you know, they call in. He, he has a system and, you know, he puts them on the list. And that's the mentality at the mics, too. We're going to treat women and men equal, equal treatment or a fair treatment. But this is where that line of thinking, in my opinion, breaks down because women are not just, you know, it, it fails to take into account the systemic crimes that have been committed against women. So you're not, you're not looking at it and saying, okay, hey, this system does have flaws and we made a mistake and we excluded you purposefully, intentionally and aggressively, you know, and now we're just saying like, oh, like this system is fair now? No, it's not fair. Like the system itself is not fair. So until you understand the difference between justice and equality or justice and fairness, it you might be, the system might be saying, okay, you know, we're going to treat people in the same way, but you're not accounting for the historical injustice that happened against women. Does that make sense? You're looking at me confused. Well, I think it's just, you know, we're not talking about the fairness of a, of the democracy or whatever of an open mic, like mm-hmm. the, the list. Now we're talking about um, more of just like a societal thing where, um, you know, if something's going to happen uh, to a woman, it's more likely to happen at two o'clock at the, when bars are closing, when they're by themselves, you know, so it's like this, that kind of system that's, or just, I like the, the analogy of the shadow. Thing. Yeah. Cause I'm like, so there's this, <laughs> although maybe I'm pushing that a little too hard. <laughs> um, well, I think it's, you know, there's like this, uh, drawing, I'm trying, trying to, to maybe I could try and explain it, but it's like, you know, you got a, sh- a tall person, a short short person and a medium height person and each one of them are given one box to stand on you know well the tall person's still tall the short person's still short and the medium person is still medium so while they all each got one box you know that's fairness so to speak but you know if they're standing and there's a fence you know the tall person can see over the fence the other two can't see over the fence you know and then when they get the boxes you know, the tall person can still see over the fence and the short person still can't see over the fence. So the solution is, well, the tall person doesn't need a box. So give, you know, the short person two boxes and the medium person gets one box. And so now they all are at the same, they can see over the fence. You know, they're all kind of in the same. So and, you're- and that's justice, you know? So there's, a, and it's not to say that people need special treatment or special help. It's just to, it's just to, to, to understand that when people have been deprived of resources or been deprived of access and, de- and marginalized, that it's not simply enough to just open the door. You have to make amends. You have to make reparations. You have to repair a system that is broken. You can't just let people into a system that is still broken and then say like, oh, you fix it. No, it's not women's responsibility to fix a system that they didn't break. That's hard because uh, no one wants to give up what they have. Exactly. You know? And I'm yeah. sure the person who has is going to say it's not my responsibility to give up what I have. Well, and I think that that's the failure of the power structure and the leadership is that and why we need to as Denver 
comedy as a community, we need to say, what are we inheriting that is on ill-gotten ground? Or what are we building on a foundation that is not strong? Because any advances and any um, leaps forward that we're making on that ill-gotten ground or that um, false foundation, everybody is going to suffer. And that's where we need good leadership to say, even though we got this, even though we have this, we're not going to necessarily take advantage of that or be opportunistic on that because we understand that that's not necessarily going to be good for the long term. You know, that's not going to be sustainable. So the most sustainable thing is to include all people and all perspectives. That's the most sustainable thing. Because when people are excluded, that makes them angry. When people are angry, they're more susceptible to try and destroy a system that you're building or to become violent or to become angry and want to destroy it. Like a story that I think is really interesting is that when um, the Spanish like came to America, you know, people were like, oh, they they conquered Mexico City or whatever it was called, Tenochtitlan, I think. But, um, you know, Mexico City is like in the middle of Mexico. So it's not like they're like, oh, we didn't know that the ships were coming. It's like, no, they're in the middle of Mexico. Um, so the people like, and this is just a story I heard. So, you know, maybe it's just a story and that's it. But people came from the, you know, they came to the coast and there was an empire, you know, in in Mexico. There was an empire. And so um, there was a lot of marginalized tribes of people all the way to the coast. And Cortez, he gained the... Capitalized on, capitalized their, on their disenfranchisement and, their and anger the and their hatred for the people in power. And so he came and, I mean, they they made a deal with Cortez thinking, oh, yeah, like, fuck the man. But then they didn't realize that they're making a deal with like an even, you know, more yeah. bigger empire. Deal with the devil kind of a thing. Right. I mean, they had an empire that was even bigger than this empire that they were fighting against. So like to me, like the most sustainable solution is like, oh, is like activating your community, getting everybody involved um, because because that that's like that's more powerful, you know, because. That makes people feel like, okay, my voice is being heard. The leadership hears my voice. The, the audience hears my voice. The community hears my voice. This is actually something strong that we can all, you know, kind of ride into the future. But, you know, people who are going to just, like, build this ship off of, you know, just white voices or just male voices and stuff, like, yeah, women are going to be angry. They're not going to really want that to stand, so you're putting at risk and you're jeopardizing anything you're building by making people angry. You know, why would you want to do that? Why would you why would you want to if people want to be involved, if people want to be participating, find a place for them. That's the strongest thing to do. All right. Yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot there. Um, we talked about leadership and then uh, going all the way back to your original analogy about the short person and versus yeah. the tall person. Do you see yourself as a short person? No, I mean, I think that... Are women well, the short person? short person? But, um... I mean, you know, the... the, the yeah, it's, the, I mean, that analogy is very... 
I've n- I mean, I'm, I've, I've thought about that a lot, but it's like how to, to kind of talk about it. But I, I think that like when I was starting and I would go to these mics and it would be 16 men in a row, you know, like in a row. <laughs> yeah. In a row, one it's after like the other. One after another. <laughs> yeah. And and a lot of times they're talking about women too. So it's like they have jokes about women. Yeah. They have jokes about and all this kind of stuff. And you hear that and it's just it's you know, it, it's a domination. It's a you know, it's kind of a conquering of a sort. It's unwelcoming. It's unwelcoming. And especially if you have something to say that's different and you exist in that space and you're like, let me talk. Like, you can't say, where are we when we're sitting right here and you just put up 16 men in a row? Like, you, that's not, that's inconsistent because it's like you're saying oh we just don't we're just not here to participate it's like no you're not validating me you're not seeing me you're not you know and so is but even if you got their 16th on the you know and your 16th on the list and if if they were but most people usually don't go by the order of the list Right. right i mean and i and i will acknowledge that it has to be hard to go up after 16 guys are like, oh, fucking bitches, right? right. Da, da, da. And then you're like, hey, I have something of value to say. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like it's a, it's a not the most welcoming environment. Oh my gosh, yeah, no, totally. Yeah. And like another thing too. You it's already like, have an uphill battle. Exactly. Climb, right? yeah, you yeah. already have an uphill battle. And second of all, it's like, you know, sometimes I'll be seen as the token woman right. to to like clean the palate or to respond. I mean, I oh, was, yeah. <laughs> and it's horrible. It's right. horrible. Like I was at a mutiny <laughs> one night and I was going up and I was there to like, and I was telling this on that other podcast too. It's like, if I had my druthers, like my main thing that I want to talk about is like outer space. I like outer space. I like, I studied physics and wasn't my top interest in life. But then after I studied physics, I was like, I love this. This is interesting. I would like to talk about those things or philosophy. Those are the things I want to talk about. But, um, you know, as a woman, it's like, that's a struggle too. So, you know, that becomes a part of your comedy as well. But anyway, the point is, it's like, I just want to do comedy. I just want to say my jokes. I don't, you know, I don't want to have to like fight this battle and, and do comedy at the same time. It's like, I would much rather be just doing comedy and, you know, not having to. And, and Rachel Weeks has a really funny joke about like putting the toilet seat up after the male comic in front of you. And I was at, um, Muni, yeah, and it was like, you know, a bunch of male comics, and then Zeke Herrera goes up and tells these jokes about, like, the patriarchy, and blah, 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 and this and that, and then, you know, the host is, uh, Jose, I think, points at me, and is like, you're next, and it's like, I don't want to go up after that, I don't want to go up and explain and have to like carry the torch of feminism to this guy who just shit on women and like i just i don't want to put the toilet seat up it isn't fair yeah for him to be like all right now it's your turn yeah here you respond now like right and it was like that wasn't the comedy that i i was there to do i had my whole set list and now i have to reroute just to to take my five minute stage time and fight for women and then it's like, and people walk out of the room and they're saying, oh, another feminist rant, rolling their eyes, you know, and it and it generates all this resentment and negativity towards me. You know, it's like, well, where's the negativity and resentment towards fucking the guy who just got up and shit on women, you know? 
like that's just normalized that's acceptable you know but then when i stand up for myself it's like she's the one who's causing a problem in this room right and it's very upsetting it's very frustrating and like i was at um you know even i went to the mercury cafe because i love that place and that's like a safe space for me i feel like and i went up at the mic there and this man goes up in front of me and his he sings a song and the song is they can't say no when they're dead there's three verses, comedy song. I say that in quotes, quotes. comedy. <laughs> yeah. um, three verses, all about sexually assaulting, raping, and murdering women, putting them in their trunk, in his trunk. And he's laughing the whole time, the whole room. There's men in the room, mostly men, I think, at that night. They're all laughing, okay? At this comedy, in quotes, that is literally about violence against women, murdering women. Right. How am I supposed to feel safe in that environment to go up and do comedy and make this person laugh? You know, so it's like, and then, so this guy gets off stage and they're like, Emily's next. And I'm like, you know, and I was infuriated. I was infuriated. I was angry. I felt unsafe. I felt scared. I felt all of these feelings. And yeah. now you just want me to do like this. To go up and dance clown. Don't, yeah. And make <laughs> yeah. you feel good. And that was the thing. I mean, I, that was a really... <laughs> upsetting night for me because um yeah so I got on stage and I have to address this and then I was very angry and then he said oh well tell a joke make a joke and all this stuff and it's like you want me to so make he's me- heckling you now yeah he was heckling me yeah totally I didn't heckle him through the whole thing I let him sing a stupid <laughs> song and then I got up on stage and I was like that was awful you know and then he's like tell a joke tell a joke and I'm like you want me to make you feel good now you want me to you want to do something hateful towards me make me feel unsafe make me feel scared and then you want me to get on stage and address that by making you laugh and feel Is that good what you told him yeah and then how did that how was the response <laughs> no that, to that? Didn't, no it was awful i mean all these people i mean that They're was like the, oh now you're bringing it exactly down, right? you're bringing yeah. it down you're making a negative thing and, uh, I mean, yeah, I was very angry and, uh, there's all these men in the room and they were shifting and looking the other way and s- sitting in their seats and, um, you know, and they started yelling at me, you need help, you need help, you know? And it's like, Oof. yeah. And I'm like, I need help. Like you all are laughing, n- laughing at a song about murdering women and raping women and sexual assault of women. You're laughing at that. I need help? No. I'm acting entirely rational to this situation. This is logical. This is rational. You need help. <laughs> yeah, they were not your audience, for sure. <laughs> no. Talk about not my audience. Right, know, no, totally. Uh, and that was at the Mercury Cafe. Yeah, so, which, uh, I mean, that and Mutiny are very welcoming spaces for the most part. I mean, exactly. Like, I mean, that's uh, unfortunate that, you know, this is yes. still happens from time to time. Yeah, well, from time to time, it, ha- it I mean, it happens all the time. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's a, for women, it's, you, you, it's not like, oh, this is just sometimes, this is a normal part of doing comedy. And in those spaces, it may be more from time to time. At other places who are, f- who are not as welcoming, that's where it's chronic, you know? And that's why it's like, I, I won't. I mean, every time I go to Comedy Works, there's a joke about women or there's a comic that goes on stage or there's, you know, a parade of men. And it's like, this is just unacceptable to me. 
you know, and it's triggering and it's, it f makes you feel like you're out of control because you don't have, you don't have the microphone. You don't, you can't say, please stop saying that disrespectful stuff about women. Like, please stop referring to us as bitches. <laughs> you know, please stop saying those things, you know, and none of the other men get up and, and address that content, you know? Yeah. That, uh, it's uh, something I don't think too much about when I'm on, yeah. when I'm on stage, but or uh, at a mic and someone's saying things like that. You know, I might not agree with it or whatever, but I'm definitely not standing up. And no one's standing up and being like, "Oh man, this isn't right," or you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. They're just like, "Oh, they're doing their thing. That they're expressing themselves." Right. Quote unquote. Uh, are, but oh, fuck, it's gotten to some messy territory. Let's let's go back a little bit back. Yeah. Well, you know, we, um, <laughs> Well, well, at the mics, you know, they're, um, we were talking about putting you up last or making yeah. you wait or, um, which, well, you know, yeah. they would, they, the host would say it was quote unquote fair. Right. Um, and I mean, like, yeah, that, that's where we started. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, right. I mean, that uh, part of it is like, yes, I understand this. I'm, I'm not, you know, so narcissistic that I'm like, oh, please cater to me. You know, please give me preferential treatment. Like my ego is so superior and I'm so much better than all of you. I just feel like it's like we're carrying a torch. Like as women, it's like, you know, we're, it does suck <laughs> that you feel this responsibility for all women yeah. when you're on stage. Like that's unfair. I right. don't feel responsible for all Latino men or right. even just men in general when I'm on stage. I don't feel like yeah. I failed my, my gender right. when, when I do that. Well, no, totally. I, I mean, that's something that, yeah. So, I mean, and I've been t taken off stage, you know, again, by people who, you know, I was at the Scruffy Murphy's mic and I was taken off stage by Harris one time that was like, you can put women in comedy, but you can't put the comedy in women, you know? And it was like, yeah, I did have a bad set that night. I really did. I was right. like, I was also intimidated because I was in the middle of like a Not a very welcoming place no, even for... <laughs> right, even for yeah, the yeah. regular person. But the person who went up in front of me was Nate Balding, I think. And he is, you know, hilariously funny. Everybody loves Nate Balding. He didn't get off... Come, He didn't get taken off stage with, well, there's another unfunny man. I mean, his set bombed too. So it's like, it's just this kind of like targeting that's like... You know, it's just like, please, like, stop. And and also, it's like, you've just insulted the whole, all of the women in this room yeah. because I did bad on a set. Like, you've just insulted all the women in the room. And it does make it harder for any and other woman who might yeah. be uh, waiting to go up. Right, um, totally. So I think that, you know, okay, so end of the mics, women going up at the end of the mics, I think is a safety hazard for women because, like I said, there's there's drunk men who may be physically you may not be able to control themselves you're only getting in drunker that at the bar. you're only getting drunker <laughs> right, right. Um, um so i would recommend you know i if i had my way i would say like just alternate guy girl you know and then if there are more men then let the end of the mic reflect that if there's more men that want to do comedy let the end of the mic reflect that you know i would that's that's what i would say you know sure, that's what right. i would advocate yeah um, um and I mean, just we're talking about numbers, like mm -hmm. women aren't, there There aren't a lot of women doing it, you know, even though, I mean, I know you've talked about, you know, you've made a list of plenty of comics that are out right. there what, ready to, uh, for stage time. And that's, you know, that's up to everybody who runs their own mic or, what, or runs their own show most like, you know, is like, yeah. I'm not going to put someone on. I run this too, you know, like I don't think JD's ready for the show. I don't see him right. out enough or whatever, things like that. Yeah. Um, 
uh, I know we got lots, yeah, yeah, yeah. lots to, to cover, but I mean, yeah, there there aren't a lot of women. Um, a lot of women, and then even the ones that have been knighted, dubbed by whoever that are worthy of getting uh, ten minutes or whatever, however much time on a showcase. So it is harder to uh, book. Like as a booker, I book my show. I try to have equal numbers. But then you know you get a lot of repeats. You know, um, and and uh, just um, I I remember being very jealous, and still am sometimes because I feel like more women women are getting on shows more than me. Some some women in the scene, and they're getting funnier than I am because they have the opportunity to perform for actual crowds more. You know, so you, it's a. Uh, double-edged sword in some way you know i don't know it's uh those have been my feelings you know and it's uh and for you know you've talked about women not uh having enough stage time or they're not being enough stage time for women and um i don't know where i'm going on this now yeah well now i feel I mean, like you're <laughs> you're just not at me now and i don't know yeah. no i feel weird no i mean um, i think that like yeah when when because when deacon said that where are the women that's when inspired me to start keeping track of how many women there really were so i had made started making a list and i mean i have 66 women on the list plus 10 out of town comics that come through like you know people who on are semi-regular on basis. a semi-regular basis sure. so i bo- started booking my show at parody so i book six comics usually per week and i book three women and three men i've had and my show is bi-monthly so i have two every month and um yeah, I started that. I've had 11 shows. or I've had, not 11, I've had 21 shows. And so let's just say 20. So that's 60 women that I've had on my show. So that's 60, around 60. So 50, let's just say 50. There's, and you know, like if you want to say that there are some that aren't ready, whatever, let's take it down to 40, okay? If you're, well, We've all had people on our, you know, shows yeah. or whatever. They're like, ah. Right, okay. Yeah, you know, then, but that's on right. you as the host, you know, you got to bring it back up. Yeah, you know, yeah, this yeah. is your show. This is your thing. Right. And women need an opportunity to fail. Sure. Everybody needs Everybody an oppo- yeah. new opportunity to fail. So if you just say that there's 40 or 30, <laughs> even 30, you can book a show. You can book your show. If you're having 12 shows a year, that's three years that you could put a woman or that's three women and not repeat. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's a, so this idea that there's not very many women is something that I really try and challenge as much as I can because Mike's specifically, yeah, there's usually two or three. Right. Exactly. But here's the problem is that again, if you're saying conceding and here's, you know, I started thinking about this, like where are the women? I wanted to make like a, a book or something like Emily Zeke and the mystery of the missing women. Cause like, where are they? Uh, are you there women? Are, it's yeah. Me, are you it's, there? Yeah. It's me, Emily. Where are the women? But it's like, okay. And this is something that I've experienced after being in comedy for two and a half years. Okay. So when I first started coming into comedy, it's like, okay, where are they? And now it's like, I've been disrespected by hosts. I've been disrespected. I told you about the situation at Muni by Jose. I told you the situation at Scruffy Murphy's. That was Harris. He was guest hosting. Um, Alan, after one of my jokes, you know, he said something really, you know, that just made me. I mean, people can be mean to anybody, but I mean, specifically, yeah. it was very like, okay, goodbye. And it's all like sacrifice to this thing it's, comedy yeah. got. You know, they're all right. like, oh, it's funny, or I'm just trying to be funny. It's like, I didn't yeah. mean it personally. I mean, it's hard. Well, I mean, it can be hard. Yeah, and they say things that are personal. And it's like, to me specifically, because going back to that beginning thing, the Hillary Clinton thing, 
do you just play along or do you speak the truth, which is I'm afraid of you right now and you are intimidating me and your shadow thing is scaring me. So when that, when you say that, which is something that I kind of did say, and I was open about it, then these guys felt like antagonized. And so now they're ready to put me in my place. You know, so it's like the added part of like, okay, well, I already feel unwelcome at these mics because of the shadow, you know, because the shadow is so for every mic, there's not just one Donald Trump. There's, you know, there's 10 Donald Trumps. There's 20 Donald Trumps who all have a shadow, you know, so that's 20 shadows, you know, and three women. It's like, well, can you really blame women for not wanting to be in that environment? No. And I'm sure like even the guys are like, no, I'm an ally or I'm trying to help or whatever. I mean, I've seen so many new comics go up and talk to exactly. uh, a female comic about, oh, did you like my, my rape joke or whatever? Like, it's just like, oh, that's okay though, right? Like the way <sighs> I'm doing it is fine. Ugh. Like, uh, yeah, and that's very uncomfortable, yeah. very... Um, right, so you get a couple of those experiences and you're like... People who think they're quote-unquote allies. <laughs> exactly, yeah, no, totally. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> and you get a couple of those experiences oh, and you're gosh. like, I, you have your brain, it's a, a brain is making a calculation. I don't, phys- I don't feel safe in this environment, so I'm not going to go there. It's just like it's just like what your body does at some point. Like I can't physically force myself to go to some of the mics because I literally, like literally my body is like, I will be, I mean, after I started. So one of the big things, yeah. When, when stuff started happening, you know, I did see in one month in the month that Trump was inaugurated. Oh, when stuff started happening, yeah. like politically, or when you like when you started yeah, being when more I started vocal being vocal. About one of the big, the first times that I, you know, we kind of had a like a, a pretty public conversation about this was in after the inauguration. It was like February, and I saw like eight shows that were all male lineups, and I just kept track of them. And on like the eighth one or something, I had spoken to hosts privately and I had even talked to other women like what should I do they said speak privately but um it was like the James Pate show and there was like he had an all-male lineup yeah and um actually you know there was a there was uh, a post uh yeah a comment thread blew right. up. and I just made the comment I just said please you know there are so many smart and talented women you know we're out here And I was very like, I knew I was taking a risk by saying it. And someone else had spoken up on that thread as well. And so I was just kind of backing them up and stuff. Um, Mina, I think. Well, someone called him. I mean, Mina Mina called called him him Yeah, called him. Like, she did not, was not She was not being, you know, tactful tactful or whatever. whatever, But she still had the right to do that. And I was, and I was like, okay, I'll back her up because this is, I also find this objectionable. Um, but the way she, she said, like, why do you hate women? Or something <laughs> like that. That was like her, her well, first comment. I think it was like, why don't you want to like, have... Hey, come to my show tonight. Yeah, it was like, why don't you want to have women on the show? Which, um, obviously... Maybe not the every, best way to go about it. Well, okay, and but, I'm not... Like, I, I respect Mina, and I respect her and how she does things. And yeah, she was direct, and it was very direct. And it was maybe, you know, I'm not even going to comment. Yeah, okay, I'm not going to comment here. Yeah, she's yeah. not here to talk about it, so it doesn't matter. Sure, okay. The point is is that I was um, trying to say, you know, this is something I, I believe too. What and did you say? I said, like, um, there's so many funny, talented women. Um, I have a list if you want. I can send oh, it yeah. to you. 
Um, thank you now. for your consideration. Something like that. And then um, it went in. And Which then, is not you um, backing away. This is very... You no, very I was active. just like, this yes. is something I believe in yes. strongly and I would like to see a change on this. Okay. And um, yeah, and, and that, you know, woo, the tornado came up. And that is the equivalent to me of saying, you know, whether it's physical, physically that Donald Trump kind of looming over or whatever, it's like, it's saying to men, like, back up, you know? Like, we're here, we need space. It's pushing back on something that's encroaching. That's what I would see as it, you know? I think every, most men felt like it was, or people felt, or especially James Payne, yeah. felt like it was you getting in his face, not right. backing away. And that's it's and that's you. where it's a very, in, I mean, and I think that that's where the silence of women causes men to feel as though they're standing on more solid ground than they actually are because we're playing along, right? Mm -hmm. Because Hillary Clinton, she is conceding some ground there by letting Trump physically intimidate her, you know, by not pushing back. Trump is still stepping over a line. He's still invading her space. Yeah. But she's conceding to keep the peace. You know, she's playing along to keep the peace. And and that's where I made a decision to say, you know, you stepped over this line. And I know that it's so normalized in our culture that you don't even see that line is there and all people are just kind of stepping over it. But it's like, you know, I believe that there, I still do believe even with like, you know, I don't want to say the word assault, but there is a encroachment. encroachment. <laughs> <laughs> yes, there's an encroachment that is happening in space that women have a right to and um, need in order to exist. And, um, and so, you know, was it James Pate, you know, and it, it, it was a, it was eight shows, you know, that were 35, I counted 35 performers that were men and not a single woman in that month. In his like backlog? No, 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 not in his backlog, but, but in that the, month, the eight, right. In that month. And it was Trump, the inauguration. And it was just like, you know, and it was like, this is, this is a narrative. It's not just an isolated data point. This is, you know, a consistent data point that I felt like a damn, I felt like with the, I felt like with the election of Trump, it was like, it was the election of make America great again. And so to see, excuse me, these male showcases to me seemed regressive, you know, like I believe us to be in a pretty progressive comedy scene where there is, like I said, on my list, I have 66 women. Because I don't think anyone would say that they don't think Denver comedy is welcoming or progressive and right. with the amount of fem strong yeah. female comics right. that are around. So, I mean, in terms of like as strong, I, I have not admittedly traveled a lot to other um, scenes, but from, so I, I mean, I honestly don't know, but from what I see, there's a lot of uh, female talent to pull from. And so, so to have an all male showcase in this city, it just, it's, that's the encroachment, you know, and the, uh, and the fact that it's like Trump and it's this kind of subtle reaffirmation of make America great again. And, and feeling of like sexism has won, you know, and so I felt like, you know, I, I mean, a lot of those things were just in my mind. Right. But anyway, that thread, you know, really blew up because it was like, she's saying the thing that people aren't supposed to say. She's 
Yeah, and like you said, he feels like it's an attack. He's not feeling the attack that we're getting constantly, you know, from the onslaught of like 16 men performers and them saying they're, you know, these jokes that are not tasteful towards women and being at the club and, you know, enduring this onslaught of masculine domination in every aspect of our culture, you know, so that is the first punch. The first punch has come from our masculine, male-dominated, patriarchal culture. But that's been normalized. So people don't, don't see, that that, see that first punch. So when yeah, the, Women wake up and they get hit all of a sudden. Yeah. <laughs> just, <laughs> right. You take your morning beating and then you get going. Right. And I'm sorry. And that's, that's not that's funny. Very but aggressive. yeah, it's yeah, I'm like... Sorry. That's, uh, <laughs> I but mean, yeah, but you're talking about normalizing it. Normalizing like, it, but that and that's exactly right. But it's like, but, yeah, the uh, women get I, that. And I'm bad. I'm sorry. <laughs> I feel bad about that. No, but I'm they make cut sense. that part out. No, I'm no sure. it's it's. Um, but that's the way that it's you know kind of it, okay. it, it it's looked in that way. And so then, so then what becomes, um, and I've heard this too. It's like what's newsworthy is when something happens that that defies what you're expecting. You know, and so there's an expectation that women play along. And so when, and I would analyze it, you know, the situation in this way, it's like it became newsworthy that I wasn't playing along. And yeah. that's what generated all of this tornado and this interest and this kind of, um, you know, she is a, sh and, th and that, that idea of a woman who's not playing along is not a new concept. That's a concept that goes back to the beginning of patriarchal society and it has a word, it's a shrew, you know? And there's a whole process called taming the shrew, which is the mechanisms of psychological, physical, and emotional violence that is enacted towards women who are not willing to conform to a, the, the male-dominated society. Right, and then, I mean, I, f I feel like you've gotten very, I mean, you, you have been pretty vocal. Um, uh, an instance I was thinking about is that, you know, at Lion's Lair, um, you were in between comics, you know, you'd, you'd scream, put a woman up, put a woman mm -hmm. up, why don't you put a woman up? Yeah. Um, for pretty much the whole mic, because, <laughs> you know, the more you dug your feet in, the more they dug their feet in. Right. And they were like, okay, we're not going to reward bad behavior, is what I felt like yeah. the, the, the well, their right. mentality was. I'm not sure, you know, what the hosts were thinking, but, you know, there's, uh, that's happened a couple times, actually, you know, being like, why don't you put a woman up? Mm -hmm. And then. You know, they refuse to put the, the person up, you know, because they're like, we have a system, which yeah. is anarchy, right. basically. Which is, uh, which is male domination. <laughs> <laughs> we have a system and you're yeah, not playing. We, yeah. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, that is, um, yeah, and it's hard for me to see it sometimes. You know, like, mm -hmm. you know, you're pointing out these things and I, I can understand, but I don't understand until you talk to me for an hour and a half about right. it, which is unfortunate. <laughs> well, and I think that that's where, you know, I'm an, I'm very experimental and... Like I'm willing to kind of, you're putting yourself out. There. I'm I'm willing to put myself out there, and I, you know, admittedly, it's like you know, sometimes you miss the mark. I mean, sometimes you don't you're shaking say the, the right thing. You're, you're shaking, shaking the, the yeah, you're doing it. So I mean, I get it. I mean, and I think like yeah, Lions Lair. There's been a couple of incidents where yeah, it's just like one time there was a whole night, and I think it took the whole night to get women up there, and there were four or five and this was a while back but there were four or five um women in the room and two of them left before even getting onto the stage so again going back to this i do remember that where yeah, are yeah. the women it's like they were there in the room 
Like they were, they showed up, they put their time in right. and they still are being erased, um, you know? Yeah. That's so, a constant struggle for, yeah. I mean, I'm not trying to equate. Yeah. All right. I'm just going to listen. All right. <laughs> but no, I mean, it's, so that was, right. that was, and I, and I remember too, I think David Gabori. Bori. Bori. Yeah. David Bori. I knew I was like, that's not how you the say G it. Silent. The G is silent. <laughs> David Bori was hosting yeah, <laughs> that night and, um. Yeah, before he put the woman up, I remember he made a joke or something about like, oh, how Amy Schumer is a piece of trash or garbage or something like that, which Amy Schumer has kind of a bad reputation for being, um, I think she has a bad reputation for being a joke thief, a, a joke. Th- well, I think, I think he was specifically calling her out for being racist. Okay. Um, yeah. He's right. a black, Boris a black man. Yeah. I do think I remember that. Yeah. yeah that was specific. And so then it's just like, geez, you know, like we wait all this night and then before the, the women comes up, it's like we, we need to be told that we're garbage and we're trash. And that's it's infuriating. And I think that like um, it's hard because there's a lot of problematic women who I think Lena Dunham, uh, Amy Schumer, there's others, I'm sure. I mean, there's a lot of problematic women. I mean, I could even consider myself a problematic. problematic. Yeah, people and are problematic. Like, yeah, yeah. You know, and so it's it's really hard too because it's it's like then you, then women are you have to be perfect. You know, like Barack Obama too. It, it, I think this cuts across race and gender and any marginalized group. It's like then you have to be perfect. You you can't be an Amy Schumer. You can't be a Lena Dunham. You can't even though there are male equivalents of uh, Lena Dunham who has, you know, like take Adam Carlos Sandler Mantilla. or yeah, like something like he's like a f- sloppy guy, you know, he's not like, uh, it's not that Adam Sandler said anything particularly, but it's just like, you know, it's like he gets, he get, he has a right to exist in this culture. Why can't someone like Lena Dunham just exist? You know, what's going on with Lena Dunham? Well, she's, I mean, she just says a lot of problematic things, okay. you know? And so it's like, but I think it's just a matter of like, or Amy Schumer in going back to that situation. It's like these, these women have to be like torn apart, you know, because they're threatening the system, right? Because they're threatening the system. And also Adam it's just, Sandler's not. it's like, it's so much <laughs> easier to see the blemishes in others than it is like the speck in your own eye. You know, it's easier to look at a woman and say, oh, well, she's problematic. She's racist. But it's not it's a lot harder to say, like, well, every probably every guy in this every white person in this room is probably, you know, same racist people. But yeah. So anyway, I'm kind of going off on a tangent there Um, about like women being able to exist in society in an imperfect form. Right. And I want to go back a little bit. You're talking about leadership and like leadership needs to do something about this yeah and in comedy i don't think there's any leadership and then if there is or you appoint somebody and then i think of a actually star a star wars theory comes to mind darth you become darth vader you know and mm-hmm. they're like who who's to tell these people what to do and how to think yeah. and he's like someone should someone should be the person who enforces this right i mean and then you become darth vader how do you not how do you do that yeah without doing the other i mean i think that like i think that we're I'm just checking the time. Okay. Um, you need to have... You, no, I'm good. But at some point, I need, I'm need. i going to go to the Yuck It Up at Tennyson's Tap. So Yuck It Up. Yuck, it, yuck it Up by uh, Becky Becky Taha Blue. She hosts uh, Open Mic on Mondays at Tennyson's Tap. Oh. Yeah, it's really cool. That. 
yeah, you should check it out. There sometime. you go. <laughs> you can come with me if you want. Um, but anyway, so, so yeah, Darth Vader. Darth Vader. How do you not Leadership. become Darth Vader? Are you yeah. Darth Vader? Well, who's Darth Vader? <laughs> so, I mean, I think I see like, I see, I see comedy as like a microcosm of like the bigger culture. So like, um, I see it like in the best way possible. We're trying to, in the founding fathers, envision this egalitarian society where we all were, had equal rights and, you know, we have freedom and all of these kinds of things. So now we're kind of realizing, okay, well, you know, that was the first stab at this, you know, but now we got to go back. First draft. First draft. It was pretty good, but you know, we're, you know, there are things that we need to kind of build up and make, maybe, you know, get, get right this next time. And, um, so I see us negotiating that, which is really interesting because I think that, um, the thing that's going to that's going to be that second draft is going to be not somewhat i mean the goal is this non-hierarchical thing you know this goal is this equality thing but we're all going to put people on pedestals or people we want to see more than others you know people right i mean i think it's like especially with technology too there's a certain amount of equalizing that it's you know like we all have a platform now. We all have a newspaper in that we all can, you know, say our thing on Twitter, say our thing on Facebook. Like, so I think there is, a, there is like, um, like there's not going to be as many tall people, so to speak, because, because we're, we, we can all get some of the resources and some of the platforms to kind of say our thing. I mean, here we are, we're saying our thing right now. This wasn't going to be something that, all people were able to do in the past was to share their story and to talk their experience. So that being said, I feel like comedy is a very equalizer. It is democratic in a way because it's like, you know, everybody can show up and get time and say their thing. And there's no, there is no, like there's Denver comedy, the amorphous blob, but there is no president of Denver comedy. So I think that when I think, and I, and I started this mic on Wednesdays, at the deer pile and uh well i started at voodoo but then i moved it to deer pile because there were some um issues at voodoo and uh you know i was trying to figure out like how do i run a mic that doesn't have any hierarchy you know that doesn't have any like that isn't like top down that isn't there's no like domination there's no like this is the discourse this is the culture this is the rules this is the law like how do you empower like everybody to be able to participate in making laws or making rules or you know like I'm fascinated with that thing so (laughs) is this the mic where I heard that you had a mic where you 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 and the host had a mic or you as the host had a microphone and the person doing comedy had the the microphone and that you would talk over them or shut them down if there was like a... That's so funny. You heard that? Yeah. From like, that's, I, that never happened. I, I heard <laughs> that you were, there was a mic that you were hosting at the Voodoo. Okay. And someone was on stage and you said that whatever they were saying, their joke was a microaggression. Well, and yeah. you were stopping them from saying their joke. No, I never stopped anybody. We did, we were trying to do this thing, um, uh... Well, interrupting them is stopping. I mean, like, the, you I commenting ju- on that is... Uh, I just was like, you know, we were trying to figure out... Because I think that this is a... You know, this is... T- I'm very 
concerned with some people say oh it's like offensive speech it's not offensive speech it's oppressive speech you know so if you say things that are like um you know dominating or you're because having a microphone and being on stage is a form of power it's a form of power and you know if you're gonna abuse that power by using that power to you know to say that and you know you call someone a bitch or say a racist epithet towards somebody or, um, you know, shame somebody for their identity, then that's like an abuse of power, you know? So we were trying to think about like, how do we, how, because, you know, and I try and like at this mic, I mean, I try and start out by saying everybody here is, I want to validate everyone's existence. You know, this is existential. So you, you, have a right to exist and to say what you want to say and you know anything that you want to say but we don't tolerate hate speech you know we don't tolerate oppressive language so feel free to say whatever you want but if you do say something that is oppressive of another group then you know and that's what we were trying to experiment with so when I played soccer uh, you know they would give you a yellow card you know like okay, that's a warning. And then if it was like a, a particularly egregious offense, it's like a red card, you know? And it's not like you're getting kicked out of the game unless you get like a series of them. But yeah, so we were like, I, I think, you know, we were just kind of experimenting with that, like uh, a, a way that people could kind of voice their like objection. Because so much of the times, like, you know, so we were doing this at the, I was doing this um, at Emily Coates's mic on Tuesdays. And, uh, doing what just, we were just kind of like experimenting with like, how can we kind of your version of a yellow card? Yeah. Like comedy. a yellow card. So we were talking and we were like, okay, we're gonna, and it's not like, it's like some kind of thing that we're that that's like in place. It was just sort of experimental. Like, how can we, how can we address these microaggressions or how can we address these infractions, um, in a way that like, you know, still, validates the people who are being where that line is being crossed you know like I that's my main concern is just people who are like um don't want to show up to mics because it's like okay I don't want to hear that kind of language I don't want to hear this homophobic language so I'm not going to go to that mic well maybe that person would go to that mic if they felt as though there was some kind of a system at work that homophobic material was going to get called out on stage so it wasn't going to be just like oh well that person's just doing their thing you know and sure enough like at that mic there was a joke that was like um horrible a rape joke and there was it was all women and there was one man I'm not going to call him out on the thing but there was one guy and uh, he was even joking like oh I'm the only guy at this mic you know and it, it was interesting reversal of like roles, but he got up on stage and yeah, he said like this horrible rape joke and I'm not even going to repeat it. But because we had been talking about this before that mic, all the women, there were like red card. You know, we were all just like, that's bad. That's not okay with us. And it, I think that that, and he just moved on. You know, he was like, okay, got it. And he moved on and he told the next joke and then everybody laughed at the next joke, you know? And it, it wasn't like a, um, it just, I, I think that I'm just trying to find ways to kind of allow people to express their like, hey, you stepped over a line. And so 
that's kind of something that I've been experimenting with and thinking about. But, you know, it, it, everything right now is in such a work in progress. Yeah, that there's it's, so much. Yeah, I mean, the intentions there are good. Right. Like, there's nothing bad about, yeah. you know, what you just explained. Um, I know a lot of people hear about hear that and they're like, or hear something, oh, you're trying to police comedy. You know, I'm sure you've gotten plenty of people oh, saying, yeah. you know, like, oh, you're trying to police comedy. And we could we could talk about this for more yeah. for hours and hours. And you said you have to go, so uh, it's a so there's so much to talk about here. It's such a yeah. complicated thing. Um, I guess what what is the main point you want people to get from what? Um, and then do you think comedy is even the right place to do that for? It? I mean, like, because mm-hmm. comedy is such a weird thing anyway. And I go back and forth on whether this is even the medium I want to be in yeah. because it's all about the joke, and people are going to be. Uh, everything sacrificed the joke. Some audiences are okay with the rape joke, you know, right. like they, they would, you know, Oh, that's not offensive to me. So I want that, you know, whatever. So, I mean, that's, yeah. that's a subjective thing that you can't, I mean, people are gonna talk about whatever they want to talk about. And they're like, you can't tell me what yeah. or what not to say. And people aren't going to give up their power <laughs> you know, <laughs> willingly. And, you know, I, you know, so with all that said, yeah. um, well, I mean, I think it's try interesting to learn the plan a little bit. Yeah. I know that we, it's <laughs> like, I think it's interesting that you bring up the whole idea, though, of like policing and stuff like that. That's what people are really framing. That's right. And I think that that's um, I think safety and policing and all of that kind of goes into play. And, you know, a couple things I I, I think about on that topic, because and I'm trying to think about how to to hit all the dots. But like, first of all, I think that, you know, people say like I think nihilism is a very popular kind of philosophical nothing matters nothing so matters it doesn't matter shit. who could yeah and and I guess I look at that a little bit as a place of privilege you know that people can say that you know that that fact that that um philosophy uh illuminates and educates people in America is so privileged you know that we can say like oh nothing matters it's like well sure like a white guy can say nothing matters like wow real brave you know but you're part of the oppression you're a part of the oppressive system you're part of this power structure so it's like people in power on top of course they're gonna say that you know and that's where we need to recognize that like all the privilege and all the power that we have a culture as as a culture and it's like we have you know our military budget is six hundred billion dollars a year the next highest is russia i think with a hundred billion like we are the bullies. Like we are the powerful people, and uh, North Korea has eight billion so war are, budget. Are we Darth Vader? Yes, <laughs> we are the Empire. My friend Emily Yates, um, friend online, um, she has a great song about like, you know, I I wish I knew more about real wars. I wish I knew more about Star Wars than real wars, but. If I did, I think we are the empire is like one of the lyrics. It's, I'm not doing justice to the song, but it's just like this idea that it's like, yeah, we're the empire. We are the bad guys. We are the stormtroopers. We are the like, I don't know the references of Star Wars, but it's like <laughs> for us. So to, to, if Darth Vader like was like, I'm nihilist, nothing matters. Like you would be like, oh, that's gross. So I think that this idea of like, And then second of all, it's like, who polices the police? You know, we are the police. We are the most powerful country in the, in the world. We have the most resources. Who polices the police? So when I, I see this as a form of, and comedy as a role in society, comedy is the conscience 
of society. It could be, you know, I don't necessarily think it is right now, but I think it's coming into that and, and, and it, it, it tries to be that. I mean, like you look at someone like Ellen DeGeneres, I mean, she was like the queen of nice, you know, and she, she, and Rosie O'Donnell too, both like powerful women comedians. Like they, they took on a very, uh, you know, these philosophies of like how to be a, con how to be the conscious, how to be the moral compass. So I think that comedy and, um, is like, it's much more enjoyable to laugh than to be lectured at, you know? And so if you can find a way to make a philosophy enjoyable for people and you can point out, you know, ironies and inconsistencies and all that kind of stuff, then you can kind of act as a moral compass and, you know, it goes back to the religion stuff and all that. So if people want to give me a label of being like, oh, she's policing us or any of that kind of stuff, it's like, good, we need to be policed. Like, this is for our self-preservation. This is for our self-sustainability. -sus like, there's no force right now that is acting against American imperialism except for us, like, except for our own moral conscience. And that's what we have to cultivate and develop. And it starts with, and it starts with, like, safety. You know, that's the whole role that, that um, the police, theoretically, I mean, I believe them to be kind of like a classist type institution that serves, like, the capitalist class. But, you know, in a system of anarchy or something like that, then you have community policing, you have self-governance, you have self-protection. So it's like if we can start out with our little community of comedy and figure out how we can make people feel safe in that community, then that will be a powerful gift and something of value that we can take to the rest of the culture. Like everybody wants to be safe they want to feel physically safe and they want to feel psychologically safe. And if we as Denver Comedy can tackle that really um, pressing need for society, you know, that will be literally the cult, the culture that forms like the next draft of our country, you know. So like that's the leadership. Like we are the leadership. We can make something that is really amazing if we just listen to and and include everybody in in it it's like to me it's like so it's so simple because it's just like I grew up in Seattle and I saw like I saw like little bands become you know and small brands like Starbucks and Barnes Noble I saw these like small seeds like take over the whole country, you know, because they, because there were these little, you know, there's thoughts and ideas that were baked into them that, that had real value. So if Denver comedy wants to be an entity and wants to thrive and survive and be like pollinated all across the country, it has to have some kind of thing that has value. And to me, nothing has more value than people feeling safe and included and for our imperialism to be reined in by some thoughtful members of the system that is out of control. Uh, <laughs> I mean, to ask that much of comedy. I mean, most people 
are yeah. just going to do their dick jokes. You know, they, you know, that's uh that's a, uh, well, I think I, the uh, thing of it like that is privileged, you know, to think that, you know, comedy could be more than this. And I've heard people say, you know, like straight white males don't get a voice, you know, like they can't, they don't have a say because they've never had to deal with oppression. You know, I think it's, it's like a privilege is, uh, something I think we all have and it's hard to, to be, you know, who gets, who gets well, to be the person who says, I mean, I keep thinking of this idea of policing, which isn't mm-hmm. the right word. But, you know, who gets to say what's acceptable and what's not? And yeah, I mean, I think that I, I think that I look at I look at us as in a time of war right now, especially with the election of Donald Trump. It's like this is, you know, in a war, it's like you're you, you're in a factory and um, the factory is making, you know, widgets. Bullets. Well, yeah. Well, it turns into a factory to make bullets because you're in a war, and, and that's the way. Resources. And you need those. Re- you need those resources. You need those manpower. So, so you're converting the comedy yes. mach- factory into bu- a bullet making factory for well, yourself. Well, for myself, <laughs> my personal army. Yeah, that's how my it always starts. Personal. Starbucks is not. No, it's, Starbucks is like. <laughs> no, I mean it's the it's, man now. If anyone's Darth Vader, it might be Starbucks. Right. Yeah. No, I mean I think that it's like, I think it's. I just personally think that it's a war, it's a postmodern war. It's a war of ideas. Every action starts with a thought. So to me, it's like, I mean, that's, we, you know, we were in the Cold War and it's a war of intimidation and all this kind of stuff. Now we're in this war of literally fighting for the concept of peace. We're li- that's literally what we're doing. We're fighting to introduce the concept of peace into the mainstream into because if people have if people like are on board with peace and safety and psychological safety and all these things if they buy into that then that's the best way that you can avert you know this global annihilation is if people are like okay we believe in peace selling peace as your thing so we're in we're in a war i mean if you if you look at the history of like the olympics for instance like the reason why they had the Olympics in the first place in Sparta was to show off their soldiers. You know, it was a form of intimidation. It was a form of saying, like, hey, if you go to war, if you go to war with us, here's these. Uh, this guy can jump really high. This guy can jump really high. <laughs> so you're like, you know, so war is a lot of times fought without any fight without any bullets it's fought just in through this posturing and intimidation Intimidation in the shadow in the shadow exactly right and that's exactly right that goes back to like trump it's like he won that war because he intimidated and he postured and he did that so why can we not as soldiers in a peaceful army so to speak similarly kind of corral some of these techniques and strategies to say like you know let's try and find a way that we can all peacefully coexist to me language comedy and you know that transmission of ideas is a perfect is a perfect vessel to communicate the idea of peace you know what's more peaceful than a room full of people laughing you know who all are saying like i feel okay that's that to me is the embodiment of peace and that speaks to another like Marshall McLuhan I don't know if you're familiar with him but he had he was like a media scholar who also talked about this idea of like the medium is the 
message. So it's like, that's another reason why I got into comedy because it was like, well, if I want to bring peace or make people feel good, then just do the thing that make like literally make your art making people feel good. You know, that's so it's I think that's why I I think that comedy is a noble and worthwhile profession <laughs> and why I would like to, you know, fight any any infraction of that. If you're going into a room and you're using the comedy and you're using stage to make people feel bad or put them in their place or oppress them, you are not doing comedy. It doesn't matter if people are laughing. Like that is not. I kind of do that a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Most of my jokes are like, I'm going to get back at you on stage. Well, I think it's okay if you're punch. <laughs> I think it's like if you're getting back at a concept or an idea that harmed you. Like, I'm mad at my girlfriend's sister. And so I'm going to make fun of her. <laughs> I never call her out that. But I right. mean, like this thing that makes me upset. I'm like, isn't this ridiculous? Well, yeah. And no one really laughs. That doesn't always work. Well, and making it rarely fun, yeah. does it work. <laughs> anyway, sorry. We're I mean, yeah, that was again. like that's one area I have to that that part. <laughs> well, that was one area that I realized because you know people were accusing me of not doing comedy. Like I was like, you're not try comedy, Emily or. You're not funny, Emily. Well, yeah, because they're all like, this is the, the everything sacrifice that the comedy got there. If uh, you're not if right. you're not getting laughs at any... I've heard people talk about how... Well, you're talking mm-hmm. um, nihilism. Yeah. T.J. Miller is a guy mm-hmm. who's like, comic, comics are the new philosophers. Mm-hmm. That's like his thing. And nihilism and absurdism and optimism can all go hand in hand in a, in a way. And um, I've talked to other comedians who are like, yeah, that's a very privileged spot for him to be talking about for it from his ivory tower or whatever. Mm-hmm. Because I'm out there just trying to work a club make make this group of drunk people laugh so i'm trying to find anything to make them laugh to get paid that night like that's what comedy is to me yeah well and that's interesting i mean because it goes to back to some of the facebook you know debates like write jokes right right you know, yeah, all that kind of stuff write jokes and and i was just talking to some other people the other day about this where it's like comedy is uh, there's various and i know we're just you know we could no, part no, two yeah. but it's like there's jokes and there's comedy. They're not, you know, it's not necessarily the same thing. You know, doing jokes is one thing that is comedy. But comedy is an umbrella that includes a lot of different things. So, and that's the thing. is like you can get on stage and you can do five minutes of material. And you can tell your five jokes. You can write, you can say the same jokes. You can write new jokes. You can do that, you know, we fortunately, I mean, with Facebook, with uh, digital media, we have a 24-hour stage, you know? So it's like being on online and is, is part of the work, you know? There's no... People want to define comedy in a way that suits them, you know? If they feel as though they have some traction in this thing then that's how they're going to define comedy. That's what they're going to define as funny, something that suits them. But the fact of the matter is anybody can define and create new definitions. I mean, that's the thing. Who creates the rules? Who makes the rules? It's like whoever speaks, you know? If you if you speak and you find a way to say something, you can make you can make the rules. And that's why women need to have a microphone in their hand because they need to be able to participate in making the rules they can't be shut out or else uh, nobody can be shut out who has something to say because that's what helps the society get 
attend to all the different members. And when all the different members of society are attended to, people are less likely to be angry. When people are less likely to be angry, they're less likely to become violent. You know, when they're less likely to become violent, you're safer. You know, this is all connected. It's all one big people, happy I mean, thing. People, <laughs> I mean, Sam, online, you're the bully online. You know, what, that, what do you say to that? I mean, oh, like, I mean, one. that's just like, that's... Well, that's the equivalent. I mean, even that was, you know, it, it's so funny to me when people say that because are they really saying, I mean, that's the equivalent of saying like the CEO of the company is getting bullied by an intern. You know, I'm like a comic. I have two years of comedy on. Uh, there was an uh, article in, in the Denver Post and there was, you know, comments that were being made and people telling me, um, you're getting traction. I mean, Drag- you're being well, yeah. out that you're putting yourself in the spotlight, so right. you're getting attention. And they and yeah, there was a quote, you know, from I don't even know if I, but I guess I'll just say it because this doesn't even matter. But it's like Brent Gill and and I think John Papiano. It's like she's the bully. She's the one who's um, you know, we're not kowtowing to her demands. So who's the real bully here? And it was like, first of all, my demands are that you treat people with equality and respect. So if if that's too difficult for you, then you shouldn't have power <laughs> at all, you know, because, you know, and that's true of everybody. If you're being demanded to treat people with respect and without discrimination and you can't abide by that, get off the stage. Stop running shows. Don't do something yeah, because no give up their power. that's a no basic tenant of power. And if you if you are unwilling to li- to op- operate in that, then expect to be dragged down by the people you're discriminating against by the people that you're marginalizing you know that's not a word but like don't you can't say i want to be able to exercise my power however i want against every anybody i want and when the people that i'm abusing my power you know call me into question it's like they're being a bully accountability is not the same as being a bully and yeah and that's the thing it's like these people have uh, 15 years of collective time spent doing comedy and they're calling an open mic comic a bully. I mean, Jesus Christ, get realize your power, you know? I guess they don't like, see you as a victim. I mean, they they don't see you as a as someone who they, doesn't have the power. Well, and that's and that speaks to this idea of that is that is running through the veins of American culture that because we, you're a white woman, you're not know that we are not the bullies i mean like i said earlier we have we are the bullies americans are the bullies and you as an american are a bully i as an american am a bully i think that yes i think that we are all bullies like if we're all part of the shadow thing when we were yes. all, we all have shades of it in no way yes we are all we are bullies that don't see our power we don't see our power and yeah. and the difference between me and these people is that i saw this um this is kind of an obscure reference, but, you know, so it might not fit here, but I, I was really into the club kids. Are you familiar with the club kids mm. of the 90s? Like, they were these kids who went out and just, like, partied, and they just were participating in a very superficial culture where they dressed up like the in costumes. Pack. Yeah, I don't know the Brat Pack, but maybe it was similar. So they just went out and, and wore costumes, and and just kind of partied and stuff. And Geraldo and like all these talk shows in the 90s used to put them on the talk show because they made these, you know, kind of great 
guests. Well, anyway, there was this segment and there's all these people in the audience and it was like the 90s. So all the people in the audience are wearing like, you know, they're wearing 90s clothes, you know, so it's very dated. And then there's all these this huge probably like a whole bunch of people on stage and in the audience who are these club kids wearing these elaborate costumes that are like artistic kind of like postmodern costumes and uh yeah and then RuPaul was like you know we're born naked and the rest is drag everyone in that room is in drag you know every single person but half of the room knows it and the other half half the room doesn't so we can look back in history and see like oh they're wearing costumes they're wearing costumes of what people in the 90s would wear half of the room was aware of the fact that they were in costume and they were just playing it up that's the only difference that's the only power that i have is that i know that i'm a spectacle i know what i'm doing that's the power that i have so it's not it it doesn't make me but at the end of the day Brent Gill control he controls the club. I he mean, does. He, he has runs power. A show. He's a, yeah, he's and a, a made man at the club. He's a made yeah. So the the fact that he could be even looking at me as a two year comic with two years in the scene as a bully a sees, sees a me as a threat. But but that is like being a senior in high school and saying he's being bullied by a to- like a first grader like. He doesn't, you know, that's, that's, if he really feels as, as though I'm a threat and I've been doing comedy and I'm in comedy for two years, like there's something going on there. Like what is going on there? You know, if he feels that insecure after doing comedy for this long, then what has he been doing? You know, he shouldn't feel that. He shouldn't feel that threat. And that speaks to this idea that if it doesn't matter how far you sail on a ship, if your compass is pointed in the wrong direction, you know? It doesn't matter. The progress that you've made, the foundation is not there. And that's where comedy works is failing the community, is that they don't have a compass and they're not pointing the ship in the right direction. And anybody who goes on that stage like Brent Gill and all of those people, they're going to come out maybe performing for years and years and putting time and sweat and effort into it. And they're going to still feel insecure. And a two-year comic is going to come in and throw them off their game that means that comedy works is not the place you should be practicing. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, they're a business. They're focused on other things. You know, they exactly. definitely they're do not focused have the same themselves. values that you do. Yeah, for They're focused sure. on themselves. So if um, you want to participate in that system, just realize that, you know, realize what you're opting into. And that's fine. If there's people who want to do that, that's that's what they're doing. Well, they, I mean, people feel threatened when they're like, "You're you're attacking my show." You know, James Pay felt attacked, and uh, you're because you're doing his, you're attacking his thing. Just and mm-hmm. and that's something I take into account, and I think yeah. everyone does now. Is like we have to have a, a woman on. We have Good. to have. So you, that's it's like, am I meeting this diversity quota? Good. Is something that I've. We should all be thinking about that all the, the time. The diversity quota, absolutely. And but I mean, who what what? And that's something I've talked about in the past on this podcast. Is like what. Equal? Do two black guys make a equal a woman? Do <laughs> oh, does God. a because uh, I I remember being called out. I think I kind of think it was by you on one of my shows that didn't have a woman uh-huh. on it. And, but I had a gay guy and two Mexicans. Like, does that count? Does that where's oh, the where's God. the line? <laughs> you know? And I mean, and you know, just for my own thing is like I did have a woman book, but she dropped out. You right. know, so like, do I just get anybody to fill that? Is that more yeah. insulting, less insulting? Like, what about 
what am I, where's what are we doing here what I am mean, i doing what am i supposed to do so here's a good way if if because this excuse comes up oh i had a, bu- a woman but she booked out here's a great way to avoid that situation book, book two women, women. <laughs> um but i feel like you know i look at demographics i mean it's just like did you i mean denver is I was looking at demographics the other day. I think it's 2028 or, you know, Hari Kondabalu has an um, an album about when, you know, minority, like, uh, I don't know if it's like when whiteness isn't going, when white people aren't going to be the majority. It's like in a, I don't know what year it is. The name of that album is the year. Um, but anyway, you know, we're not, your all shows should be basically like half people of color i mean that's the demographics of america sure um and that's and the fact that that comedy is not that way and the is is a result of the discrimination the sexism the prejudice the racism the ableism the fact that comedy does not accurately reflect the demographics of america speaks to the discriminatory practices of power so in order to remedy that, in order to accurately reflect America, which is what comedy should be doing in the first place and any art form should be doing in the first place, it should accurately reflect the demographics. So I book my show, you know, I try and book it with that in mind. So I try and book half men, half women. I try and book, you know, multiple people of color on my show and multiple people of who are representing um disabilities and it's not that people are representing those things it's not and I think people get really uncomfortable with some of this stuff but it's I think when you recognize that you've been wrong and you've done something wrong and you've excluded and discriminated then it's not it's not just about oh sorry it's about reparations it's repairing the damage that has been done we must repair that damage we must restore something that was stolen and stage time has been stolen from people of color it has been stolen from women it has been stolen from disabled people and it has been given preferentially to white men and anybody who wants to argue with that you know where to find me but that is not a debatable fact women have been excluded People of color have been excluded and preferential treatment has been given to white men. And that's where the balance needs to be restored. And we need to reflect demographically what this country truly is and its identity. And if we're not doing that, we're exercising white power, we're exercising racism, and we're exercising sexism. I don't want to do those things. And I don't think that those are sustainable solutions so. Yeah, but then I, you know, you can't force people to have an all-woman showcase. Well, that's what, that's so funny to me about is like, they, oh, you can't make people do this. Like, you're right. I I'm not like call like you like me making a post on your Facebook or messaging you is me ap- appealing to your moral conscience. I am not booking the show. I'm not messaging like people being like, hey, are you available on this day to do this person's show? You know, like. Of course I can't force this. I mean, like, of course, my, like, I don't have, like, the power to change, but I do have the power to speak and to appeal to people's moral conscience. So 
you have something inside of you that is already aware of this thing that I'm talking about. If you want to ignore that, that's fine. I mean, go ahead, ignore it, but that's not going to be sustainable for you or our culture. Just bugging white people over and over again? That's not sustainable? Well, I think it's like what how you view your sustainability. I mean, I think that's where we get into a lot of yeah. you know, gray area is is sustainability and and stuff like that. So perhaps we can pick it up there cuz Yeah, cuz yeah, and I think the thing that I think the big difference is, you know, like you're saying art should be this equal thing or it should be equal have equality and things like that. Most people don't see it that way. I'm not trying to argue with it. I'm just trying to say like I think that's where the biggest disconnect is right and, and uh, yeah i mean i think art like one thing that i like will say sometimes it's like prejudice is not an aesthetic you know so you can't book your show all white and say like well that's just my aesthetic no yeah, because okay, these yeah, are yeah. jobs these are opportunities and you can't edit people out of living and having jobs and doing work you can't edit that out. You can't use discrimination as an aesthetic for how you want to run your business, you okay. know? And that's where we're stuck in, you know, we're stuck right there. That's where we're stuck, you know? And I know you have a heart out. So, I mean, this isn't exactly where I wanted to end the conversation, <laughs> but I think it's where it's going to have to. Thank you so much for being on, um, for being open to talking to me. Yeah. You know, it's been uh, an exercise. Yes, it uh, has been. Whew. There's a lot, there's a lot there. And, uh, I mean, just for me, it's been nice yeah. to just shut up and listen, mm-hmm. which has been a hard, <laughs> which oh, has been yeah. so hard. Yeah. But anyway, um, well, that's awesome. Good well, for you. Thank you. That's exactly You're what trying. I wanted. I wanted you to, <laughs> to praise me for listening. Anyway, um, <laughs> thank you so much. Do you, you know, you want to book or not book, um, plug I'll your book show. Book someone else's show right now. Yeah. Oh God. <laughs> I'll retroactively oh, no, book no, James no, no, Page no. show. Oh God. <laughs> No, I'm just kidding. Um, no, yeah, I have a show on uh, called Philosophy on the second and fourth Sundays at the Cap Hill Tavern, and um, that's next Sunday or this upcoming Sunday. Well, well, I don't know when this show. Actually, will be. Yeah, I think this yeah. will be next week's show. Okay. So, uh, well, let, let the two second and fourth Sunday, and then the really exciting thing is that mic that we were talking about. So if you are, if you feel confident. Uh, but we don't even do that thing. It was just sort of a one-time thing. But I'm still experimenting. But anyway, it's called Radical. It's at the Deer Pile. It's on Wednesdays. It starts at 10 p.m. And it's experimental. So if you have something, if you have comedy, you want to bring comedy, that's fine. But if you have something that you just kind of want to work out and it's maybe not like there yet or it's not funny or maybe you're just angry because you had to go up after a man singing a horrible song at an open mic and you just want to vent it's a place that you can do that so um and there's music and stuff too so um so yeah that's wednesdays at the deer pile thank you so much for being on you know i did okay the recording cut off there right at the end i just wanted to say thank you so much for doing it i think you know it's uh you're uh (laughs) i don't even know how to say it you're very brave and i wish you all the best and you know it's it's not easy and uh, i do appreciate what you're doing you know um if I was to, to wrap it up, you know, uh, whatever, um, who's that talk show guy style? Uh, if, I, if I was trying to wrap it up. Oh, like, you're five under, minutes. Understanding. Or, yeah, yeah, like yeah. The What's his name? The, Maury? Yeah, Is he? Not Maury, but the, 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 along the same veins. He had a yeah. talk show. Anyway, just understanding and um, empathy. Yeah. It would be, you know, to try and approach things that way. Yeah. It will be a little bit better. 
Anyway, thanks for listening. Okay. And I'll see you next week, guys. <laughs> Yay!